On Personally Speaking this week, our guest is the great actor Joe Mantegna. Uh, he's well known to many people for his movies and television Broadway stage. He has a new program out now that addresses the issue of autism. This is the second part of our interview. Stay with us. Welcome to Personally Speaking. I'm your host, Monsignor Gimlisanti. Veteran actor Joe Montagna joins me now. Joe has had a long and very successful career that spans nearly 50 years and 150 credits from The Money Pit and Three Amigos to The Simpsons and Criminal Minds on television. His latest project, the Amazon series As We See It, hits closer to home than anything else he may have ever done. The show, which is now streaming, follows three young adults on the autism spectrum as they manure through life and try to fit into society. Joining me now, I'm so pleased to welcome back to Personally Speaking, the wonderful actor, Joe Montaigne, the autism spectrum. And it's his personal experience that made him feel a deep emotional connection to this role. He's here with us today to talk about this role, his life, his career, his faith, his family, and the values that mean the most to him. Joining me now, I'm so pleased to welcome back to Personally Speaking, the wonderful actor, Joe Montaigne. A perfect question that is always on my mind as you were talking about all that you went through. What kind of person is this Arlene? I mean, <laughs> yeah, you, carry, you yeah. carried a burden, but man, she's no, no, front no, no, and no. center. Yeah. She, it's, it's funny you even mentioned that because that even came to light last night before we went to sleep. In, in a way, that discussion, we were up a lot of the night last night talking about things. And yeah, she is. And, and, and that's one of the things I have to really, you know, be, be conscious of and be aware of to understand how the strength of, of, the, of, of women in general and mothers in general yeah, yeah. and mothers who have to deal with things above and beyond the, you know, the, the normal. Mia now. Here's the result. Mia, come here, honey. I want you to just... He can't hear you because this is Father Jim, who's a friend, who was a friend of Matt's. And ah. Hello, Mia. Hi, Jim. Here, How you doing? Up. Okay. Thanks for coming asking, on our you program, okay? Mia. Mm-hmm. Hey, hey, Mia, you're a pretty girl. He says you're a pretty girl. Mm-hmm. You must. You, you, who's that? Mommy's looks, I guess, right? Yeah, well, definitely. She's <laughs> definitely got <laughs> Bye, bye, but Mia. Anyway, to, but to get to your question, yeah, she's she is. She, as much as I can handle it, she can handle it twice as much. Isn't that something? Because first of all, because it's a daughter. Yeah. Had it been a boy, I think it would have just with just naturally there would have been different kinds of almost obligations and situations that, as a dad, for me to relate to a son would come into play. That. Is would be more difficult or not right. as easy to do as the mother would be able to do for her daughter. So, yeah. and the fact that most people with autism usually are male, you know, mm-hmm. incidence is much higher. I didn't know that. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it's, it's much higher incidence in boys uh, for whatever reason. They don't even really know. Yeah. 
But because Mia is, is, is a girl, a young male, a young woman, Arlene's responsibility was in many ways much greater because there's those, those things that don't, and I never even had sisters. I mean, I, I only had a brother mm-hmm. growing up. Uh, and so there's a lot about females in general that were mystique to me and still are in many ways, you know, mystery, <laughs> you know, the, the female mind. Joe, go, so, go back for a second. You talked about you and Arlene met back in the 60s. Did you have a, a clue early in the relationship, though, that she was built of a kind of superhuman stuff? Somewhat. I mean, she had a very strong personality, mm. a very strong will. And I mean, and I guess and I have to say in my life, I've been, I've, I, when I think about any relationships I had prior to that, which you know didn't last all that long, but as I thought about it, every one of them was with a woman that was very strong-willed. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know what, what caused that attraction or whatever, but it just seemed to do that. Yeah. And strong-willed in the sense that very self, self-sufficient, yeah. very powerful, very, you know, not, you know, certainly not a shrinking violet in any way. Right, right. You know, somebody that would be formidable, a formidable mate. Mm-hmm. And she is all of that. Uh, in this instance, really has to be and continues to have to be, you yeah. know, and I mean, we all joke about it. all our friends, everybody who's known us for the f- over 50 years we've been together, always say, you know, she's Lucy, I'm Ricky. And that's really <laughs> it. So anybody who knows the honeymooners, <laughs> right. not the honeymooners, but I love Lucy. Right. That's, that's, she's Lucy. I mean, she's got a million schemes going. She's got a million <laughs> things going. She's got a million <laughs> balls in here. And I'm the, I'm the clown over here going, you know, I'm, you know, they're paying me to, you know, I pay the rent and all that stuff, but, yeah. And I, 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 I gave a speech once uh, I was given, a, they acknowledged me at the Hollywood um, Chamber of Commerce one year, and I had to give a speech because they'd given me a star and a walk of fame. It was all very nice, lovely. Thing. And I remember being at the dinner and here's all these mucky mucks from Hollywood and it's this beautiful, they stayed, they presented me with this beautiful portrait. They did it done of me and, and talking about how, how, they were, how, and I had to say how grateful I was that I got the star now on the walk of fame. But the one thing I said was, and I meant it, and I still mean it. I said, look, I'm in a profession where, you know, yeah, I get all these accolades and attention and this to this. And it's, and it's difficult for the spouse sometimes to be that mm-hmm. person who sometimes think that they exist in the shadow of this mm-hmm. spotlight that's constantly on me. But what I had to say, and I was proud to say it in front of all these people, is that the actual truth is, She's the light. Wow. You know. Yeah. And I, th- I, I think I this really marriage might work out, Joe. <laughs> so far, so good. <laughs> we have our ups and downs, but, right? but so far, so good. And, now, and you know, related true. to you and your strong women, I-, I was stunned when I was reading about you to hear that dad had passed away in his 50s. Your mom, my mom is 101 now. She's with me. Your mom went home to God when she was 101. But for all those years where she's a widow, how did she pull it all together? How did she go on? My mother had a, a, just a great, hopefully I've, I've, I've adapted a lot of it. She, she had just had a great attitude at life. My mother was like, anything that was kind of like disruptive or bad or whatever was kind of, yeah, nothing stuck too long. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, I even remember when my father passed away because I know my mother had to, she had to deal with his, 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 his condition and illness for many, many years, obviously. And I remember when she finally passed away, we were, we were out of town. Arlene and I were, on, we were actually on the road doing a play here. We were in Pittsburgh, 
when my brother called me, because it happened somewhat suddenly, even though my uh. father was always in guarded health, his death was kind of came unexpected because he only had part of one lung and it finally, and he smoked endlessly. So he just finally stopped, you know. So my brother calls me and says, you better get home. I, he's not going to make it through the night. I was like, oh my God. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I didn't, we didn't get back in time, but for whatever. Yeah. Oh, but he, it's okay. But like I said, I knew he had been in guarded health most of his life. It wasn't a total shock. But then I see my mother, and, and there was that moment when she saw me, Joey, you know, was there, you know, that she hugged me and it was the, the you know, she let it all out, like, like in one kind of fell swoop. And now we're at the funeral home, the first night at the funeral home. And she's sitting, of course, they've got us in the first row. Yeah. And I come in, I sit down next to her and I go, how you doing, mom, are you okay? She looks at me, she goes, I'm good. And she goes, but stop your aunt. And I look up at my dad's sister, my father being Sicilian, Mm-hmm. My my aunt is up at the coffin and she's pulling my father up out of the box, you know, like oh, you know, like and she's got him, she's she's already got him by the lapels and it's coming up, you know. And now I gotta get okay, okay, I can't. Oh. And that, and then and that's when I realized my mother had done had been like, okay, I, I had my grief about this. Now we gotta, you know what? And they're not saying there's not gonna be other moments of this, but she's come to grips with this. This has happened now, and now I gotta deal with reality. Yeah, and the same thing about my at, at her eulogy, my brother got up to speak first after she passed at 101, and he says, "My mother, again addressing what you asked, he says my mother was unique in the way that she a lot of things she just kind of didn't quite understand, and it was fine and it was okay, and probably maybe for the best." And, and he said, "Well, my brother Joey doesn't even know this, but when he got the TV series Criminal Minds." My, our mother called him and she says, Ronnie, I'm worried about Joey. <laughs> and my brother goes, why? And she goes, he's only working an hour a week because now she'd been told I'm going to be on the show every Wednesday night at nine yeah. o'clock. So in her mind, it was like, well, in the past, she knew I was making movies, doing plays, but she assumed I was doing like nine to five, like her, everybody does working 40 hours a week. Oh, she sees me on the TV one hour from nine to ten every Wednesday. How much money could I be making? How can I, how can I support my kids? And my brothers to tell her, no, it's okay. And I've always told people, people ask me about stuff like that, about how, what were your parents like with your career? I said, look, it was the best possible thing because my mother never really understood what I did for a living anyway. And she just only cared about how's the kids doing, how you doing? And of course, I tell her, watch this or watch that, and she'd yeah. see it and she. But she didn't understand it. Like when I won the Tony Award, she told all her friends, Joey won the Oscar. For the <laughs> <laughs> she didn't know what the Tony Award was. Good for so, her. <laughs> so, so you have to answer your question. She had an incredible outlook on life. She never yeah. let anything get to it. And I mean, she's, that, that, I always said my parents had a mixed marriage. My father was Sicilian. And the Sicilian <laughs> side of my family is very kind of, we've got that thing like, when they look at you, you wonder, are, are they happy to see me or are they upset about something? Kind of <laughs> or my mother's side of the family, they all thought they were like Dean Martin. You know, I was like, eh, they, just, they were by age. They were from, from Puglia. They were from, you know, the, the, that Southern Italian kind of. Right, right. That kind of. And her, her whole family was like that. Yeah. So I, I, in a way, I hopefully, I think I, I can't help it. I, I know I'm a mixture of both because I have my darker side in those moments that I can get very Sicilian about things. 
but I, but hopefully I've got that other side, my mother's side, which is you, you, know you certainly you have both, Joe. No doubt. I hope so. Let, let me let me ask you uh, an immigrant question. Um, probably the first interview I did, I, I mentioned to you before, hundred years ago, was with Frank Capra, and and I said to him, Frank, what kind of Catholic have you been in your life? And he said, uh, not the best. He said, I came here as an immigrant from Italy, from Sicily. He said, and uh, I looked around, and all the successful people were wasps. He said, so I decided that the only way this Italian Catholic I was going to fit in was to become like them. He said, so I left the Catholic Church. I became four or five different Protestants until my Protestant wife, Lucille, said to me one day, you are never going to be the man you're supposed to be till you go home. And she got me back into the Catholic faith. He said, but no, I wasn't a very good Catholic, he said, because I wanted to fit in. I mentioned that because you have both parents who came from Italy. Did, did they run into obstacles that were hard to overcome? And uh, how do you fit into mainstream America when you're coming with a different language, different culture, different background? How well, tough was it? I, it wasn't that tough only because the, the environment I grew up in was almost like a, 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 a miniature version of what they grew up with anyway. Ah. In other words, it was, where I grew up on the west side of Chicago, it was a mixed bag. Not what, my parents did grow up more in the little Italy part. Okay. But by the time I was born, they migrated a few blocks away. There was still a strong Italian influence, you know, mm-hmm. and so plus all my my family on both sides, right, right. So the traditions were always there. This that my grandmothers on both sides they were very religious. They had the statues all over the place, and you know, my grandma, <laughs> grandma gave me the little plastic Jesus to put on on the car dashboard, and you know all of that stuff. So I mean, there was that, and then I even I, I didn't go to Catholic school, but except for two years, seven. Uh, sixth and seventh grade, but the okay. only reason being because of the finances. Yeah, public school was free. Right, right. And, but it got to the point, and the only reason I went to Catholic school for the two years was in Chicago. At the time, the neighborhood started to change, and it became. Uh, this is the, we're talking the fifties here, late fifties. It, it turned into an all-black neighborhood, and my my father didn't have the money to, to, to actually leave. And in fact, a black family bought the building we lived in. So we're wow. paying rent through a black family downstairs. And, and my, what I loved about my father, though, he had no prejudice about that. It wasn't like he yeah. was prejudiced toward black people. He really wasn't because he sold insurance f- before he finally retired and because of his illnesses. Uh, and, he, and he sold insurance in, in black neighborhoods. And so he, 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 he had a sympathy for them, understood them. And, but yeah, it got, for me as a kid, it got to be somewhat, the public school was becoming almost, it was like one of like three white kids in the, right, in the class. Right, right. And, and with the racial tensions in the late 50s, it just that didn't fly. So for sixth and seventh grade, we, could, we couldn't afford to move out of the neighborhood, but at least I could go, we'll go to Catholic school, at least it's going to be a little safer for Joey, get that age. Uh, and then finally for eighth grade, we finally moved to Cicero, Illinois, which was where his sister lived and it was, you know, and it, and it was, you know, we were out of that neighborhood. West, because to this day, the West Side of Chicago is like Chicago's worst ghetto, really. Still, right. unfortunately. But, uh, but so anyway, the, the, so the, so I had the Catholic, those two years of you know having nuns and brothers. And, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I mean, I got that immersion for those couple of years. But then it was right <laughs> back to public school. Once we got the Cicero, they couldn't. There was no way they could afford to send me to Catholic high school. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I went to public school and all that. But my feeling about religion is such as this. Like Frank, I would be the first to say I'm not a good Catholic. And I still won't say I'm a good Catholic. But Mm. I will say this. Look, I've been wearing this for most of my life. Mm. You know, 
Uh, and the reason, and so people go, oh, you're, you're, you're Christian. So, yeah, I'm Catholic, I'm Catholic. But I wear this because this is what I believe. Yeah. You know, this is the belief system that I came to. Please stay with us. We'll be right back with more of our interview with veteran actor Joe Montagna in just a moment. I was actually raised in the Catholic Church. I, I um, went to grade school uh, through sixth grade, and pretty much about the time I went to high school, um, I stopped attending church and really didn't think much more about it for a number of years. The return to church, the Catholic Church, was somewhat of an evolution. I thought I knew what the Catholic Church believed and taught, but uh, learned very quickly from somebody who knew far more about the Bible than I ever hoped to know. I learned that the Catholic Church, what it truly taught, and that that's where I needed to be. I'm a recovered alcoholic and drug addict. Without God in my life, I'd probably be dead. God has literally saved my life. I feel like I'm truly on the road to um, the fulfillment of, of really all of my desires, uh, which is ultimately to spend eternity in heaven, both myself and my family. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for whatever reason, we invite you to take another look. Visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome back to Personally Speaking. I'm your host, Monsignor Jim Lasanti. I'm joined by the wonderful actor Joe Montagna, who's starring in a new Amazon series called As We See It. Joe, you know, we've gone many different directions here, but one of the purposes of, of having you on was that people would not miss a chance to watch on the Amazon series as we as see we it. See it yeah. What's your hope for that series? Why should people watch it? What do you hope they learn? My, my only hope is this. And I, 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 often get that, I get that question asked about a lot of different projects. Like, what do you hope people take away from yeah, yeah. this thing that you're doing? And my answer is always the same of that. All I hope is that if they, if they give it the chance to see it, that they, when it's done, they can say to themselves, that was time well spent. Mm. I'm really glad I took the time to watch this. And in this particular instance, all I can say is I, I, I more than ever feel that, there, that, 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 that this, this has that kind of capability to, to, to cause that to be a, a, a worthwhile experience. Because it's not just entertainment, it's not just amusement, it's not just a feel-good thing. There's humor in it, it's funny, it's touching, it's shocking, it's all those things, but it's real. It's, when I first read the pilot script, when they sent it to me, my agent sent it to me, said, There's, they, they're interested in me to play to do this new show for Amazon, called As We See it. And I look at the script and I read it. And, and they said, it's gonna shoot in Chicago. They shoot the whole series in Chicago. And I read it and I said, this is one of the best things I've read in my career, but I'm not going to Chicago. I love Chicago. It's my hometown, <laughs> but I'm not, I'm not uprooting my life anymore. I mean, that was yeah, the yeah, whole yeah. thing. My family, I said, no, I'm not doing it. I said, but I want to meet the guy who wrote this yeah. to let him know how much I think this is terrific and how I think it's important. This Jason Kadams, who had done Parenthood and Friday Night Lights, is a mm. wonderful writer. And, and he, you know, he has, a, in his personal life, he has you know, a son on the spectrum, so it made sense that he was writing this now. So I took the meeting and I, I remember walking in the meeting at his office and he's there with a couple of assistants and I said, Jason, this is one of the finest things I've read in my career. I think this is going to be a very successful show. I'm not doing it. 
I'm not going to <laughs> Chicago. And I just want to let you know, for anything, reason is changes. And you shoot this thing locally here in California. I'm in. That's all I could tell you. I says, I really got nothing else to say, but I wanted to meet you to let you know how grateful mm-hmm. I am as a father of a child with autism that you've done this beautiful thing that's so, because this, this is the real deal. I mean, this is not a pretend show because they don't all, they don't all become doctors like a, the good doctor. And they don't, right, and, right, and the right. fact that he was going to use the actors were going to be really on the spectrum. And, and they, they hired 12 people on the crew that mm-hmm. were on the spectrum. So, I mean, they really put their money where their mouth is. And I saw, so I thought, this is beautiful. Well, as it turned out, about a month or so later before they went in, to, you know, this was early stages. I get the phone call from my agent says, you know what, for whatever reasons, maybe you had some influence. Maybe Jason didn't want to necessarily, he needed a little more juice to go to Amazon and say, look, I don't want to go to Chicago. Joe doesn't want to go to Chicago. <laughs> Can we do it in LA? He said, they're going to do it in LA. I said, I'm in. I said, I'm in. I told him I'd do it. I'll do it. Not even knowing what the other seven scripts are going to be because then we're going to the initial do a pilot and if it got picked up we would do it like eight and see what happens which is what we did uh and i feel having done all eight of them i'm i'm very proud of it i feel it's it's a beautiful series and you know yeah and we'll see i mean yeah, I, yeah i've been in the business long enough to know like like that may be it amazon may say yeah well whatever for our business reasons we don't want to do anymore if that's the case fine but we did them yeah. My hope is it will continue because the response has been great. The reviews have been wonderful. All the response I get has been wonderful. So yeah. to answer again your question, I hope people say, I'm glad I watched that. I, 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 that was time well spent. I'm yeah. glad I took the time. And that's all I hope for. That it touches otherwise people's it's a personal, hearts and minds. Yeah. yeah, it's a personal response. So how it affects them is... Only they can answer that. Yeah. And we never know the timing on these things. You're right. It may be a, a huge hit years from now. I'm thinking Capra said his It's a Wonderful Life was a bomb when it came out. That's and right. now it's where everybody goes to for Christmas time, you know? So in That's God's right. time, That's right. uh, as I see, as and, we and see. And when I did, I don't know how familiar you were with that series, Joan of Arcadia. Were you familiar with that at all? I, Barbara Hall's a friend. Okay. So yeah. there you go. Because that was that same thing. I had a development deal at the time with CBS. I could have done any series. They, they had like, they sent me a stack of scripts like this. And they said, pick a show, we'll green light. And I read all these scripts. And of course, a lot of them was like the, the lead character was, hey, it's me. It's Italian guy. It's, you know, da, 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 I could play this guy. I play. Then I read that script. And I thought, oh, my God. I said, <laughs> I, I can't be a 17-year-old girl. I can't be the lead in this show. <laughs> I said, but I don't care. I have the power to make yeah. this show happen. Yeah. They said I, they will green light any show I agreed to do. I'll play the dad on this show because this show I think should be done. Wow. And I'm so glad. And I, and I, I, I have no regrets that I, have. I wish we were done one two seasons, yeah. but I, I feel wonderful about those two uh, seasons. And, 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 yeah. And you know, now there've been a few other shows that kind of address the God question, but that was really truly the first in so many ways. It was groundbreaking thought, in a lot of ways, you know, and, and the way they did it, I just thought it was beautifully yeah. done. It was yeah. beautifully done because it, without, you know, they, 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 they did it as as we talked about. It was like they they, they didn't they didn't pound in one kind of right. belief or, or over yep. another, but just more of that whole thing. Higher God power. is God is who you think He is, yeah. or she is, or whatever you want to call. Right, him. right, right. <laughs> now you're echoing John Paul the First. Remember the Pope that only had one month, John of Paul the First. I, I did uh, Godfather Three, which kind of that's right. Of course, <laughs> kind of dealt with that. <laughs> he said. Uh, 
he was talking about the Our Father in one of his general conferences that he had. And he said, you know, we call him Our Father, but if God is all good and all love, he's got to be our mother too. You know? <laughs> I'm sure some of the cardinals didn't like that, but I, I thought he was right on target. Well, you, you know, know it's, usually the, it's usually the popes that tend to kind of stir, stir the drink a little quick that cause, <laughs> that cause a little controversy. I mean, I'm old enough to remember, you know, Pope John Twenty-Third. Yeah. And I, re- I remember the kind of, Meshuggah, the kind of mess that he kind of created with the Vatican Council back at the time. Yep. It was like, what's going on? But I also remember, because I was going to Catholic school at that time, mm-hmm. and I remember how the, a lot of the nuns were kind of like, you know what? No, so, we like this chubby guy. This guy's got something <laughs> going here. You know what I mean? And so for that short term he had, he, 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 he's, he, you know, he stirred the waters a little bit. He sure which I did. Think, as you know, needs to maybe happen every once in a while. I, I bless God every day for him. I love his line. He has in his diary, he's having a bad day at the Vatican, and he says, uh, uh, Lord, it's your church. I can't do anything more. I'm going to bed. And that was him. He was a real human being. And his other line was, uh, you know, pray as if everything depended on God, but work as if everything depended on you. And and that's that's what you and Arlene do, you know. You do God's work every day. Um. I'm going to thank you for being on and just say, uh, Joe, you're wonderful. Thank you so, so much. Jim, as are you. This was, this was probably the most enjoyable interview I've, I've ever done. Well, thank you. Uh, and I, I'm not just saying that. I'm not just saying that. I, I feel a personal connection to you. I, I, I realized the day you sent me that letter about yeah. Matt, there was something about it. And, 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 I, and I remember when I delivered it to, to Murphy and the girls oh. that I said to them, I said, this is something you, I want you guys to have because this is, you know, not having really, you know, known that, that much about you. But, well, like I said, I, you, know, you understand, you get it. There's, we, we've already made, it's a mitzvah. We've made a connection. It's a mitzvah. We- <laughs> and, 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 and I'm very happy for this. Uh, I am too. Uh, I, I have too. a guy in Chicago, somewhat like the father Fragamini, who I don't know if you know. Another good the, Italian. Good. <laughs> yeah, but he, he, he is the, the Monsignor for the Shrine of Pompeii, oh, Our Lady of Pompeii, which is the church my parents were married in Chicago. Oh. And it's that same thing. He was the he, he married Schwarzenegger and, and Shriver. He was he's out of Boston, and then from Boston he went to Chicago and now is the priest at the, at Pompeii. But I I, 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 they contacted me maybe twenty years ago to do a video for them to help you know support the shrine, which I did, and I, and I met him and. We had a similar kind of connection, like you and I are having. Not quite as strong as this. You, 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 you've, you've displaced them as number one. This is like you're, my, you're now my go-to priest. We won't any time at all. We won't tell well, them. Jim, it's the truth. I'm not, I'm just one. You're the last guy I'm going to lie to. So yeah, uh, uh, it's the truth. You've, you, you've just become the number one priest in, in my life. Anyway. Thank you, Joe. Thank you. As we end today's program, I want to thank you all for being with us. If you need to reach out to me for any reason, you can get me at personallyspeakingpodcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to see past episodes, go to YouTube and punch in Personally Speaking with Monsignor General Santi. And please don't forget to click like and subscribe. Personally Speaking is also available as a podcast, personallyspeakingpodcast.buzzsprout.com. Or you can go to www.closeencountertv.com or www.ollmp.org and you'll also find there our weekly mass and homilies. I'm going to encourage you also to look on Facebook at Personally Speaking with Monsignor Jim Losanti. We're also now on Instagram at Personally Speaking Podcast. Please share and let others know about Personally Speaking. 
I'm privileged to serve as host and executive producer of Personally Speaking. Our producer is Lisa Jandovitz. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be with you again next time on Personally Speaking.